Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. To me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line. And I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and I am coming to you from day two at the NFL Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. We've got a big show today. Chris Sims, NBC analyst, son of Giants Super Bowl legend and friend of the program, I was able to spend some time with Chris to get his thoughts on the Giants, on the new regime, on Daniel Jones. Are the Giants making a mistake by not committing heavily to this year's quarterback class? We got all that and more from Chris. We'll also have some sound from Purdue wide receiver David Bell. And if you're curious, I wanted to seek out some prospects that may have been a match with Buffalo when Joe Shane and Brian Dable were up there. And I see a little bit of Gabriel Davis in David Bell. So I went over to him and to listen to his interview on Wednesday morning, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Sometimes you just never know what you're going to get. And another reporter asked Bell, who's from the Indianapolis area, if his family was a family of Colts fans, you could kind of guess where that's going. What team did David Bell say his family rooted for? We'll have that later in the show. But up first, our interview with Chris Sims. He was in between takes on the set of Pro Football Talk. And our apologies for the technical difficulties with some of the audio. So we just thought it was so good that we had to use it. Had a problem with one of our microphones, had to switch over to use a different microphone. And so there is some garbled. It's not perfect. But with all the information and the content that Chris provided, I wanted to make sure I got it on the show this week and gave you what we had promised from some of the best analysts around in terms of the NFL and the NFL draft especially. I go back with Chris Sims back to his high school days at Ramapo High School. I remember covering one of the biggest games that he played in high school at Wayne Hills, and Ramapo ended up losing. It was a national game. Myself and Kevin Burkhart, now obviously one of the lead play-by-play voices for Fox Sports, were there at the game. Uh, we had a lot of fun covering high schools in North Jersey for a long time, and Chris Sims was one of the iconic players in our entire 
time covering high schools in New Jersey. So without further ado, here's my interview with Chris Sims. All right, I'm here in Indy on the ground. We're just getting things going. Chris Sims. What up? Bart? Superstar. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you are to us. Oh, okay, thank and you. And our readers at the record, NorthJersey.com. Thanks, like, thanks. Listen, Good old Jersey. Man, it's, been, uh, it's been great to watch your path to, uh, to this point, and I wanted to dig right in. I know when the Giants hired Joe Shane as general manager, you tweeted, great hire. Yeah. And then obviously adding Brian Dable afterwards. What what are your impressions of those two guys, and why did you like the hire so much? You know, I'll, I'll add to it. I'll go, I think they Wink Martindale, definitely one of the best defense coordinators, defensive minds in football. I just go, damn, as a Giant fan, it's as excited as I've been in a while. I'm not going to lie about the complete staff or those three specifically. I don't know Joe specifically, just in passing, hellos, all that. But I know a lot of people up in Buffalo. And to me, the reason I was excited about it is Buffalo's got, had a real clear plan of attack ever since they've gotten up there, that staff with McDermott, everybody in the front office. And to me, that's what I look at. That's how I connect dots sometimes. If I don't know somebody, okay, yeah, you look at where they're working, the environment, you know, who they've worked for. Do I think they're smart? Yes, I do. You know, I think Brandon Bean's one of the better GMs in all of football. And then you got a head coach who understands the whole sport as well. And to me, that usually breeds successful front office people or successful people in general. Because it's an organization that obviously we've seen over the last four years that's on the same page and continues to kind of grow their team in the right direction and I think when you add that on okay now you got Joe and Dayball who of course have worked together before and they've laid some groundwork already they have a vision I think it's going to be very easy for them to talk about and formulate and then you add Dayball and yes definitely one of the best offensive minds in football and I mean come on Nobody gave Josh Allen a freaking chance. I wanted to say the other word, you know. I mean, I, I got killed my first two years in Josh Allen in the NFL because, oh, he's how could you like him? He's crazy. Well, I don't know. We got a quarterback question in New York, and we got a guy I know that's one of the best developers of quarterbacks and understands how to formulate a game plan around him. And because he's been in New England, too, he understands what's realistic to expect of the guy, what's not realistic to expect the guy, and they're going to formulate an offense around him that fits Daniel Jones. When you obviously you studied Dable and yeah. what he did up right. in Buffalo in right. terms of that offense. Yeah. What do you like about what he was able to do offensively in Buffalo? Obviously, the personnel is personnel. Yeah, the personnel to me is overrated, though. That's what I would tell you. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not a great offensive line. It's Stefan Diggs. Who's, who's, you know, I know Gabriel Davis had the great playoff game, right? But, I mean, come on. There was a guy that was, what, six, 700 yards for the year. To me, his offense made it special. Of course, and then with Josh Allen, who might be the best player in football, so that does it with it. But I think what I like about his offense is, you know, the first thing I would say is the, the meat and potatoes of the offense, your core plays, they're very good. They have a lot of the answers. They're New england so I know that. I understand that really against every coverage, they, they can teach you, and it's got an answer for every coverage. And I think when you add that on, okay, system, that works all well. And then he's got some college creativity from his days in Alabama, let alone he brings out a few plays in every game where I go, ooh, I've never seen him do this. I like that right there. Ooh, they did this just for this game. This is cool. And to me, that's what it takes to be a great OC. That's the great ones in the game right now. That's what they are. Yeah, I got meat and potatoes. I got a curveball every now and then to throw you off, you know, off of my meat and potatoes so you don't can't overplay my stuff. And then I got, you know, six, ten plays a week where you just haven't seen them and good luck trying to card it. Shatter, if you think it's a myth to me, yeah. there's this idea that you can't be a great offensive line and be a great head coach in the NFL. Oh. I know the guy who just won the Super Bowl. Exactly. 
But I mean, why is Dayball the kind of guy who can do both? I just think, well, he's, he's been around, you know, a guy in Belichick that's, of course, going to, okay, I've seen a guy run the ship, right? And, yeah, Bill Bell didn't call the defenses, but he's all over everything. I mean, he's hearing what McDaniels is calling, hearing what his son or Gerard Mayo is calling. He's going to understand how to balance you know, the game situation and, and what he's already applied during the week. You know, I, I mean, that I, I don't even understand that rumor right there. I mean, you know, because I, I would just go, okay, yeah, I understand we've had a few offensive guys who yeah, maybe have messed up some situational football because they're so worried about their plays or whatever that they mess up. But, I mean, I don't know. You take McVay, Shanahan, Andy Reid, uh, you know, I don't know, Doug Peterson, he's an offensive coach. I mean, shit, as I'm sitting here naming them, I'm going, oh, Zach Taylor, he's just a super offensive coach. So I would say, yes, that narrative is wrong. You said about hitting the trifecta with Shane Dable yeah. and Wink. Yeah. What does Wink bring to the table? Well, I mean, first off, whatever, defense, he's an energy guy. Like, he's got a great way about him. Wink is one of the uh, cooler personalities in all of football. Defensive players gravitate towards him. And then he knows how to coach in a fun way, too. And not only in a coach in a fun way, the way he communicates and yeah, he's a little, you know, off color and say some crazy stuff, which is awesome. And defensive players are going to love that. But how he sells what he does on defense, they players get excited. I know just, you know, from talking to players that have worked with him in Baltimore and other places, because again, almost like Dayball. It's going to be creative. You might have never done this. Here's the rhyme or reason. Oh, that makes so much sense. I mean, we've been doing this blitz like this forever, but not with that rule. That's why you guys always get there. He's going to bring things to the table that they're going to go, man, not only is this fun and we get to do all this crazy stuff, uh, but it's effective, of course, and really sound at the same time. Before we get to the quarterback, yeah. one other, Mike Kafka yeah. coming in. Yeah. It seems like it's one. Of, he's one of those coaches that Andy Reid would, did not like the fact that he's ended up getting away from him and sure. some elsewhere. Yeah. What, what did you see from Kafka? What do you like? And is there kind of that unknown of what he might be able to do now that he's going to give a chance to Yeah. Oh, well, I think Kafka's got a bright future. I mean, everything I know, at least being around him, he has the personality to be a head coach one day and be able to lead people that way. Certainly to be an offensive coordinator. Again, just like we talked about with Joe and Dayball, the, where he's come from is a big thing. Okay, yeah, he's came from Kansas City. You know, it's, yeah, it's top five offense four years in a row. It's pretty unbelievable that's so yeah, I, what I love about it is not only does he know quarterback play and going to be able to teach Brian, you know, I mean uh, Daniel Jones some things as well as far as proper mechanics and all that, but hopefully even lead him down to hey, let's make a play and extend the play here, do that as well. And then what also I love, and to me, what great coaches don't do enough of is get some people outside of your coaching tree to bring other ideas in. See, Kafka's going to be able to go to Dayball and go, hey. With the enemy and Reed, we did this, this, and this. And Dayball's going to go, damn, okay, sh- shit, that makes sense. Let's put that on our offense. And that's going to make the offense even better compared to what we already said. So that's where I think guys like Kafka can really help the team and, and Daniel Jones. Uh, you obviously mentioned Daniel Jones. Yeah. And my question going into this week, and I know you still have to dig in on your prospects, yeah, so yeah, it's right. unfair for me to start asking you rankings and stuff like that, but are the Giants making a mistake or at least overlooking the fact that 
maybe they should be considering a quarterback in this draft, or do you think that Daniel Jones still has an opportunity to be the guy? I, I still, I went to lean the way you're standing there at the end, that he still has the opportunity to be the guy here. First off, this is, you know, again, yeah, I'm not in the weeds yet on this, this draft class yet, so I'm really just starting. But I don't think there's a guy here, first off, that you just go, oh my gosh, you got to have him in the top ten. we got two picks in the top ten. we got to take a quarterback. So let's not just do that just to take the quarterback. Second thing I would say for Daniel Jones, is he perfect? No, I understand that. Do I believe he still has a lot of traits to be successful in the NFL? I do. And I don't know really how. I'll, I'll echo John Merritt. How the hell can you really know what he is? It's been the worst offensive line of football in front of him his whole career. Not, not, not like one of the worst. It's the worst. It's not even close. So when you have to catch the ball, and the first thing you have to do is go, is the first guy open right now? And if he's not, I have to look at the line and make sure I'm blocked. And then most times, they're not blocked, and then he has to do something. I mean, it's just, it's hard to know what he is. But you talk about, you know, good arm, we got that. Accuracy, we got that. The guy you want to lead your locker room or offense, I think we got that. Everything I hear from the Giants or any of the ex-coaches or anybody, they all believe in Daniel Jones that way. Okay, so you got that. You got a guy who's willing to work and, like, not a diva. He holds himself accountable. I mean, to me, that's that's what you want a quarterback. Now we just got to, like, protect him, you know, not have a – it's a third system in four years. So here's another thing that he's working against here that's hard. How the hell do you know what he was or is, right? So I just look at it that way and go, no, I would like to see them not give him the fifth-year option. He's mature enough and understands the way the game is, and he knows he's got to play better and what, what the optics of the situation are. And hopefully that Dayball and company can – you know, grow him into a spot to where the Giants go, damn, he is the guy. We got him. And now we got to throw some money his way and, and sign him up. Late December, around Christmas time, compare the feeling you had for where the Giants were uh, to maybe where you're sitting here on March 1st and where they are right now. Yeah, well, you know, I was a big Joe Judge fan. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I really respect a lot about what Joe did and, and, and does as a coach. But, yeah, at the end, you know, I think – He'd probably tell you the same thing. There were some things there that you're just like, damn, okay, wait. You know, I don't know if this is the best look for the Giants. I didn't know. I think the Giants seemed like they were going to go forward with him. But then after the 12-minute rant and, you know, the quarterback uh, sneak on their own four-yard line and all that, I mean, that's when the floor fell out. And it, was, it was, seemed like everything changed. And I understand that. Again, you know, optics and, and the way things look to the fan base and, and even selling it to your own team and your organization – they, they probably didn't look right at that point. Right now, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm like truly one of those fans right now. It's on like cloud nine. I'm like, oh my gosh, the Giants. Here we go. This is this is year we're gonna we're gonna turn it around this year. I do. I'm not saying it's playoffs, but I would be shocked if we don't see a better product on the field where we all go, okay, it's finally here. The Giants are going in the right direction. Obviously, big thanks to Chris Sims for joining me. In between his. Busy schedule, finding time to carve out for All In. It's much appreciated. I thought he has some interesting thoughts about the Giants and where they go and how he's excited, to say the least, about where the team that he rooted for when he was a child, thanks to obviously the presence of his father in the famous number 11, uh, and how what a difference six weeks make in terms of the franchise being a laughing stock, the way things ended last season, and now the optimism heading forward. So thanks again to Chris, and we'll try to get him back on before the draft because he's always 
he always offers a unique perspective as far as the quarterbacks go uh, and where things are for what, uh, you know, he doesn't bother with other people's opinions. So, like I said earlier, I think uh, he's a great guest and I appreciate him giving us the time. Spent Wednesday morning listening to uh, the tight ends and I thought that was interesting. Uh, we'll get a little into that tomorrow on tomorrow's show. But I mentioned David Bell in the open. You never know where guys were, and I certainly did not go over to David Bell because I thought there was a major connection with the Giants. But I thought he might be a prospect they'd be considered, uh, or at least considering. And what unfolded was very interesting. Asked if he was a Colts fan because he's from the area. He said no. Turns out his family rooted for Big Blue. Here's what we we got from David Bell. Hope you enjoy his sound. I know my grandpa, he was a huge Giants fan back when Lawrence Taylor and like Phil Sims played. And so the whole crib was decked out in like Giants gear and Giants helmet. He had his own man cave full of Giants stuff. So that's that's kind of like inbred in our family. And also with them winning like the two Super Bowls, that kind of boosted the things around the house also. Which team a lot of players that are playmakers and wide receivers? Just think which someone can play. What'd you say? A lot of players are, a lot of people that are playmakers and wide receivers. I think being reliable when your number is called, you know, making those big third down catches, those big fourth down catches, you know, when it's definitely a prime time games and, you know, being able to compete against the best and putting your best foot forward. You mentioned that the Giants, have you met with them and what would that be like for your family if somehow you ended up with the Giants? I actually, we met for like two minutes, but then I got snatched away, so I didn't I didn't get the opportunity to sit down fully, but I'm sure my grandpa, if I get drafted by the Giants, like he might shed a tear. <laughs> so there you have it. If David Bell gets drafted by the Giants, his grandfather is going to shed a tear. I'm sure Bell will shed some tears as well. They got an already made fan cave out here for his family if he ends up getting drafted by Joe Shane and company at some point in the draft. So that'll do it for today. We will be back tomorrow. Hopefully have another stacked show. We should have Jordan Reed from ESPN to talk the draft, talk offensive line. Uh, and then, as promised, we'll have more sound. Hopefully, we'll get some sound from the offensive linemen who are set to meet the media on Thursday. Appreciate you guys being all in, and we'll check you next time.